This is Eyewitness News up close. So we have made a lot of mistakes in running the company. I think it's it's pretty much impossible, I, I believe, to start a company in your dorm room and then grow it to be at the scale that we're at now without uh, making some mistakes. The founder and CEO of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, on the hot seat last week before Congress, facing some very tough questions about protecting the privacy of Facebook users. How did a company working for the Trump campaign get personal information on nearly 90 million Facebook users? So, how do you protect your personal information on social media? And how can you do it? Before you sign on again, we'll give you some important privacy tips from tech guru Sri Srinivasan. But first, the FBI raiding the offices of President Trump's personal lawyer, the president angry and firing back on Twitter. An avalanche of critical issues facing the Trump White House this morning, his own legal problems, the investigation into Russia, how he deals with it, Syria, and oh yes, gun control. What happened to that? two months after the gun massacre at a high school in Florida. This morning we talked to U.S. Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut. And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Up Close. I'm Bill Ritter. Syria, gun control, James Comey's new book, the special counsel investigation into Russia involvement in the election, and a new secretary of state. Our first guest with something to say about all that, Democratic U.S. Senator Chris Murphy from Connecticut. Senator, welcome. Your first visit to Up Close, unless my research is somehow wrong about that. Yeah, well, thanks for uh, having me. Appreciate it. Okay, let's start with uh, with James Comey and his bombshell revelation book. Uh, the the response right out of the gate. We we should say we're recording this on Friday. It airs on Sunday morning. Who knows what's going to happen between now and then? But we do know that this has got some bombshell revelations, and the president not wasting any time uh, tweeting out his disdain for Mr. Coding, Co uh, Comey and calling him a, a slime ball. What was your reaction to all that and to what you've read so far? I haven't read the book, so I actually don't know what's in it. Um, uh, what I know is that the president is waging a you know, very concentrated, consistent assault on anyone who has had anything to do with the investigation into his potential collusion with the Russians to try to uh, manipulate the 2016 election. And so he is going to lavish the same kind of insults on James Comey that he is currently uh, putting upon uh, Bob Mueller and his investigation. So, you know, we've just got to try to stay united here, Republicans and Democrats, to make sure that uh, Director Mueller gets the resources and the time that he needs to get to the truth, uh, because the truth is important to everyone in this country, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. If the president really was working with the Russians to try to manipulate the election, then he's got to be held accountable for that. And in fact, an ABC News poll put out last week, this past week, um, says that 69% of Americans say they, they think this investigation is justified, should be is warranted, should continue uh, unabated uh, without anybody getting fired. So it supports what you're saying. American population is certainly behind this. Yeah, and that's an impressive number considering the fact that the president has waged a you know, pretty unending assault on Mueller. Fox News has joined in, devoting hours and hours to trying to tear down the Mueller investigation. Listen, all we want is the truth. Um, I, I frankly hope that there's no evidence that Donald Trump coordinated with the Russians because that would be a constitutional crisis that um, would be bad for America. But um, first and foremost, I want to know what happened. And my feeling is that Mueller um, has some more work to do uh, before uh, he gets to that truth. You're a lawyer and you're a politician, so I'll get your perspective from both, wearing both hats. Does Comey's book coming out right now with all this going on hurt the search for truth by distracting the conversation? Well, it's hard for me to know because I haven't read the book, uh, but 
Uh, it should not. Uh, I mean, the fact of the matter is Mueller is conducting uh, an investigation. He's in the middle of doing interviews, issuing subpoenas and indictments. Um, there's nothing in a book by the former FBI director that should uh, change the trajectory of his investigation. It will clearly make Donald Trump even more furious than ever before. But uh, hopefully there'll be level heads here in Congress and we'll continue our bipartisan support mm -hmm. for Mueller's investigation. All right, let's move on to some other subjects because we have a host of them to talk to you about uh, in, our, in this first segment this morning. Let's start with Syria. Again, we're taping this Friday morning. We don't know what's going to happen between now and when it airs at Sunday at 11 o'clock. Uh, the president seeming to back off this past week about we're going to soon deliver some missiles to uh, to Syria. And he said it to Mr. Putin in, inside a tweet. Where do we stand? What's your position on this? Should Congress be consulted? All those host of questions that you all are debating, I know right now. I think the Constitution is clear. I don't think that the president has the ability to take military action against the Syrian regime, regardless of what they did, the atrocities they committed, without coming to Congress. If he does, then what would stop him from launching a massive strike against North Korea without coming to Congress first? Um, I'm really worried that you are watching a national security nightmare unfold before us in which uh, the De Department of Defense does not want to strike Syria because they fear it would drag us into a war with Iran and Russia. But we're going to have to do it because Donald Trump woke up one morning this week and sent out a tweet without consulting with any of his, his advisors or experts. That tweet committed us to a missile strike inside Syria. So uh, I think these are really perilous times. I worry that a strike can get us much more deeply involved, that it will trigger a reaction from Russia and Iran. Um, and we've got to have a broader conversation about what our U.S. interests are in Syria. I know that a lot of your colleagues on both sides of the aisle, Democrats and Republicans, are wondering why and how we're getting away with doing foreign policy uh, basically by the seat of our pants because the week before the president said we're going to very soon get out of Syria and that shocked the Pentagon and shocked the State Department, shocked the White House staff and then all of a sudden he says we're going to bomb them. So it, 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 you can get intellectual whiplash if you try to follow this logic. Yeah, listen, this, this foreign policy is an absolute train wreck. It's an embarrassment to the country that uh, the president orders at the beginning of his term thousands of troops to go into Syria. Um, apparently doesn't know he did that because he then says we need to get all those troops out that I put in uh, and then promises to um, launch missile strikes without consulting with his advisors. It's, um, it's really bad for the country and for the world. And I hope that uh, some cooler heads prevail as we decide what the next course of action is inside Syria. Let's talk about foreign policy vis-a-vis -vis the next secretary of state. You went into the hearings uh, in the Senate and the Senate committee, uh, which of which you're a member uh, with Mike Pompeo, uh, saying you were you're leaning against him and you came out of the hearing, if I read the accounts properly, saying you sort of undecided about that. Yeah, he got grilled. Uh, how do you think he, he, he fared and acquitted himself or didn't acquit himself? And what's going to be the vote on this, do you think? Um, well, I was really worried about the fact that he, he didn't answer some really critical questions. Uh, he wouldn't condemn the president's attacks on the Mueller investigation, which is related to foreign policy. He really didn't want to talk about whether the president has the authority to act in Syria unilaterally. I think there are check marks on both sides of the ledger for Pompeo. Um, I actually think that he um, is sincere about trying to restore some of the morale, uh, try to repair some of the damage that was done to the State Department by Rex Tillerson. 
On the other hand, um, he does have a reputation, well-founded reputation, as a hawk, as someone who you know, uh, sees U.S. power being primarily projected through invasions and missile strikes, uh, which hasn't worked so well in the past. So I'll, I'll take the weekend to uh, think uh, about uh, my vote on Pompeo, but I think it's going to be close when it comes to the Senate floor. And the vote scheduled for when? Uh, we don't know yet. So the Foreign Relations Committee has to vote first. That may happen next week, and then it would move to the Senate floor. Okay. Uh, let me move on to gun control, because I know that you... Uh, have a huge stake in this and have made this a big part of your campaign and your platform as a U.S. Senator and as a candidate again. Um, have we lost an opportunity? What happened to the, the, all the marches and all those young people uh, saying they were going to do something? Where do we stand? Have we lost an opportunity to really uh, uh, have some meaningful gun control reform? Every day that goes by that we don't pass uh, common sense legislation supported by 90% of Americans to reduce gun violence is a lost opportunity. But those kids didn't disappear. Uh, they are just out there getting ready to become a force this November. It's very clear that the Republicans in Congress uh, and President Trump want nothing to do with background checks or stronger gun laws. Uh, they've had the chance to uh, bring a debate before the Senate uh, and the House, and they have refused. And so these kids have basically said, okay, if you're not going to save us, if you're not going to protect us, then we're going to vote you out. And so I think you are going to see massive turnout and mobilization of students and young people all across America um, that will result in these legislators who have A ratings from the NRA, uh, but are voting against 97% of their constituents who want these stronger laws, uh, they'll be voted out of office. And so that's what's happening right now. And in fact, this last week, there was an interesting, fascinating study by Harvard that was released that shows that young people plan to vote in this midterm 2018 election in numbers we have not seen before. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so that's why I don't think you should mistake the, you know, the, the lull in rallies and walkouts for a lack of interest. The polls are consistently showing exactly that, that young people are going to turn out in massive numbers. And if you have stood with the gun lobby and you've stood against all these kids, um, I don't know you're coming back to Washington after this November. Okay. Um, we do have some breaking news we want to ask you about. Scooter Libby, while we've been talking uh, on this Friday uh, for airing on Sunday, has just been pardoned by President Trump. Came out of nowhere, uh, unless you heard something that the rest of us hadn't. Um, and there are a lot of, there's a lot of speculation. Uh, this is, of course, former chief of staff for, for uh, uh, Dick Cheney during the Bush administration, second Bush administration, uh, in which he was uh, found guilty uh, for, of basically outing a... Uh, a CIA agent, undercover CIA agent, Valerie Plame. Anyway, did you see this coming at all? And there are a lot of people that think this is a message for perhaps some other people who are facing charges in the Trump administration. Yeah, listen, I think it's probably hard to speculate. I certainly didn't see it coming, but there's really no way to read this pardon other than as a signal to other potential cooperating or non-cooperating uh, actors in the investigation about the 2016 election. So uh, Trump is using all sorts of creative ways to try to stop people from cooperating with Mueller. And this is potentially a signal to folks who might be talking to Mueller mm -hmm. that if you don't and you get in trouble for it, uh, we'll bail you out later on. I, I admit that that's a, a speculative analysis, uh, but there's, uh, it's, it's tough to figure out another analysis. Well, you're mirroring what a lot of people are speculating at this time. Uh, Senator Chris Murphy. From Connecticut, we thank you for joining us, and I, I'm going to ask you not to make it another five and a half years before you come on up close <laughs> so we get you on uh, next year, too. 
I'll make you that promise. Thanks right. for having me. Senator, thank you very much. Good luck to you. Uh, a programming reminder, by the way, former FBI Director James Comey sat down for an exclusive interview with our George Stephanopoulos, the first interview for his much-publicized book tour. It airs tonight, Sunday night, 10 o'clock, a special edition of 2020, right here on Channel 7. Just ahead and up close, your privacy on social media. Just how jeopardized is it, and is it too late to protect it? Facebook founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg trying to calm concerns on Capitol Hill this past week, but what should you do now to protect your personal information on Facebook and other social media? We talk to tech guru Sri Srinivasan next. Welcome back to Up Close. Facebook CEO and founder Mark Zuckerberg on the hot seat for two straight days this past week. First at a Senate hearing and then a hearing in the House of Representatives. Lawmakers were more than blunt about what they see as the company's flaws. It's inadequate self-policing, lack of transparency, reluctance to give users more control over their own data. Congressman Frank Pallone of New Jersey was at the center of one particularly tense moment. Will you make the commitment to change all the user, to changing all the user default settings to minimize to the greatest extent possible the collection and use of users' data? That's, I don't think that's hard for you to say yes to unless I'm missing something. Congressman, this is a complex issue that I think is, deserves more than a one-word answer. Well, again, that's disappointing to me. The hearing coming after Cambridge Analytica was able to harvest the personal information of more than 87 million Facebook users without their consent. The company was trying to help President Trump's campaign. So what does all this mean? How safe are you online? Joining us now, social media expert and former tech guru for Eyewitness News and The Met and Mayor de Blasio's office, Sri Srinivasan. Great to see you, my friend. Great to be back. You, you Just for the record, you were here between 2000 and 2007 at the birth of this huge social media boom. We didn't talk about Facebook in 2007 when you left. They just got founded then. That's right, and we used to say, encourage people to try the internet. We did segments about this new thing called Google. We did segments about Zipcar as a new service where people, you know, this, these are things that now we take for granted. Wikipedia, we did a thing called, there's something called Wikipedia. You're right, right. And look at, and now you see Mark Zuckerberg wearing a tie, and I've never seen that before. Well, that was just before Congress. I think his, his hooded sweatshirt and, and black t-shirt is still probably de rigueur in his Facebook headquarters, but in a decade, mm -hmm. look how far we have come. He's now a guy who we didn't even know back then in 2007 is now testifying Congress because of something that is so frightening. You are a great believer in the positiveness of all these things, and yet I know that this stuff troubles you. How safe are we? More importantly, how unsafe are we? I think we are very much in a time where we have to understand that there's so many things that make us unsafe online, and that means that there is information out there about us that can be used against us. Anything you write on the internet can and will be used against you by bad actors. And it's up to us to take as much control as we can. We've been so much in love with the ability to share and post and like each other's photographs and all of that, we just loved it. And as a result of it, we're not paying attention and we're here. But that has been going on since before when you worked here. It really has. Yeah. Uh, they just didn't sophisticate, they did, in a sophisticated way, these social media companies did not figure out ways to commoditize that and to market that and to make money on it, capitalize on it. Now, we have become the product. We have become the commodity. You, me, everyone who uses this stuff. It's not about selling a pair of shoes. It's about figuring out how to market to Sri based on what he wants. How do they do that? And, and to Bill, based on all the things that we have liked or shared or posted something about, they're able to gather information about us 
and use it against us. There was a time when the only way people could market to you were, if you remember these pop-up ads, and right. we did a segment about how to combat pop-up ads because they were such a big problem. Today, that problem's gone, but there are other things like what you're talking about. They have figured out that every time you take a quiz online, you're learning, they're learning something about you. The machine, the, the artificial intelligence is learning what you like, what you don't like, what are the kinds of uh, movies you like, and all of those things are then used to create a profile about you and then serve up content that you will react to, that you will respond to. It, just having the profile doesn't disturb me so much. You know, I, I, gotta, I would like to know what, what my behavior says about me. And in fact, now Facebook, you can download something called whatever is your activity, mm -hmm. right? And you can have that information to see what they have about you. But that doesn't bother me so much. What bothers, I think, most people is that what does it lead to? And they're determining what to market to you. They're determining what you, they're going to do with that information they have about you. It doesn't make you necessarily a better person to know that stuff, although they could use it in that way too. Right, but they don't use it that way. They're trying to make money off of it, and you alluded to a, a saying that's gone around that if you're not paying for a product or service, you are the product or service, <laughs> and that's what's happened to us, that we think it's free, but nothing is free. And in a way, what, they're, what they've done is they've taken all this information, and then they're using it in order to make money, and that's how Facebook makes money, that Google, all of these companies make money in that way. Apple's an exception. It makes money through selling you products, right? That's why Apple products are so expensive. Exactly. And in a way, they're very private, and, and they're, they're in, you're not as much the product when you're dealing with Apple. So let's talk about some of the tips, because I don't want to leave people saying, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is just terrible. Woe is me. I'm going to delete Facebook, because that's really not the answer either. What are some of the tips? You have a great blog in which you really go through some of this stuff, and we want to we give people something to really hang on to when they leave here. So the first thing is that take control of what you're doing online. Be, do things consciously, not just kind of randomly do things. And as you said, Facebook will let you even download all your own data to see what's there. And you'll be shocked what you'll find. Old friends that you once liked or were friends with, you deleted them from your life and online, but they are there in the record somewhere. Somebody you wished birthday happy birthday 10 years ago, that, there's a record of that. So just know that that's all there. How do you take control of this back? <laughs> yeah. That's what I want. So second thing is that let's make sure that whenever you're posting, think about the content. What can people who are not kind to you do with this? So when you're posting something, you have your ability to control who sees it. Everyone puts kind of public. Instead, you can choose to share it with just a few friends. You can make lists. Mama said don't label people, but I'm telling you to label them, <laughs> put them on lists, and you can have lists called friends, close friends, family, family one, family two, family three. And so if you're sharing that baby photo, maybe share it with just family one and two. Or think of any way you want to make that something you're controlling and not the system. So there is a way you can control it. What's, what's, your, what's your blog site? Because I think people would love to read well, this. Well, I, I think you just follow me on Twitter, at three or find me on, on Facebook. And basically, I share these tips there. But it, the, the general thing is take control. Don't let things happen to you on the internet. Be really intentional about being safe. And if you do that, you'll be better off. So you can't get the genie back in the bottle, but no. you can control some of the stuff that leaks out of the bottle. Yeah, and I think that to be fair to uh, Zuckerberg and company, they 
didn't quite understand what they were getting into. If you remember, when he started, when I was here, he, he was, was 20 years old. And he was creating, you know, a, a hot or not kind of thing to uh, meet women on campus. Right. Like, that's what he was doing. He didn't know he was going to build the world's biggest information center and platform. Okay. And so what has happened is, as a result of it, that they didn't know what they're doing, and they didn't understand the perils or the promise. You have helped us know what we're doing. Sri, great to see you. Thank you for the tips. And when we come back, we're going to switch topics, go back to politics. Political consultant Hank Scheinkoff on President Trump and his reaction to the raids on his lawyers' home and offices. Where does all this go now? We'll be right back. Welcome back to Up Close. Hard enough under the best of circumstances to be president of the United States. But when your personal attorney, who admits he paid a porn star $130,000 to be quiet about an affair she had with the president before he was president, and your attorney gets raided by the FBI, and your own Department of Justice is investigating the people around you, how much more difficult that job suddenly becomes. Political consultant Hank Scheinkoff joins us now. Before we get into the weeds of some of the issues that are making news now, mm -hmm. how difficult can it be? You worked with Bill Clinton, who sure. maybe compartmentalized better than any other right. president we've had. I don't know if Mr. Trump is compartmentalizing based on his tweets, but how difficult does that make it? It makes it much more difficult. Look, it's a very difficult job. The difference between Bill Clinton and Donald Trump, I mean, there are myriad differences, but among the ones that are most prominent, Bill Clinton read everything. He's the smartest person, one of the three smartest people I ever worked for in public life, Mike Bloomberg being extraordinarily smart, and there's someone else, you know, overseas, but he doesn't read anything, this president. He doesn't take in information. He's not, and he appears to be not very judicial in his comments or his thinking. He doesn't take advice well. Clinton did all the opposite of all those things. But just, just from a management point of view, it cannot be easy. It's hard. To, it's a hard job as it is. But when you're under assault and you're, you feel like your family's under right. assault and your attorney's under assault and you're under assault, how much more difficult does that make it? Much, more, chips di are down? much more difficult because you've got to make complex decisions and your brain space is, is playing someplace else, which you're not using it for the thing you have to do, which is to be the leader of the free world and the most powerful military uh, officer, the commander in chief in the history of humanity. So what does pardoning Scooter Libby get the president? It gets him nothing. What it does is probably undermines his relationships with the CIA with the brave men and women of the CIA and the FBI who put their lives on the line every day. Here you are pardoning someone, regardless of the merits of the case, who gave up a working CIA agent. An undercover. An undercover. Case. And put that person who was already in, harm, already in harm's way definitely in the, in the position of being killed. That's something you just don't do to law enforcement or, 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 uh, or um, a security personnel of any kind. And yet here we have the second director of the FBI ever mm -hmm. to write a book. Louis Free did it. Mm -hmm. uh, it was not like this book, uh, yep. however. What, the timing of James Comey's book, um, explosive bombshell developments, to hear him tell, talk to George Stephanopoulos about things that you wouldn't want kids who don't watch R-rated movies to, to hear uh, about the president, about and coming from an FBI director's sure. lips and his pen and his computer, what's the timing of all this mean? And does it, does it hurt or help Mueller's investigation? I'm a communication strategist, and I understand where things are supposed to go when you talk about things, where the target is. This hits the target in the wrong way. Comey's carrying on. If, we re if the excerpts are anything like the rest of the book, frankly undermines the investigation and makes it look almost churlish and directed as a vendetta against the President of the United States and those with him. That's the danger here, and it demeans the discussion. And then it brings in all the talking points that we, the country thought it was moving beyond. Uh, Hillary Clinton, the, the email helpful. scandals, everything else. It takes the focus off what needs to be focused on and instead creates a panoply of arguments that are somewhat almost pornographic. And, of course, the president tweeting about all this, right. uh, unfettered by anyone from the staff apparently saying, don't 
tweet about this. What does that do for the, the discourse at all? We have the president from the National Enquirer when what we need is someone who's almost like Harry Truman at a time of great crisis, when the world's economic and social systems are changing at a rapid pace unthought of before this time. Mm -hmm. And we don't have that. Mike Pompeo had his confirmation hearing mm -hmm. this last week. It was a very interesting. The Democrats grilled sure. him. Uh, but the, what was interesting was that it seemed to be much more about policy and about political perspectives sure. and less about vitriol than a hearing I've seen in a long time. Uh, there was very little of that. Because Mike Pompeo is qualified for this job. We, we don't have to like his politics. He's highly qualified. He is a member of the con he's a member of the Congress. He understands the CIA. He understands the military, and he's a serious person. This was a good choice for the president. We don't have to like him, but he's going to do a good job. Any way that, uh, that, that he's going to get voted down? Is this his job? Not likely that he'd be voted down on the merits. Okay. Quick thing about Syria. We're recording this on Friday. Sure. It, it airs on Sunday. A lot of things could happen. Uh, have we toned it down, or are we going to maybe have an attack this weekend? Uh, the guy who wrote the book that became Wag the Dog worked for me, Larry Beinhardt. I can tell you that this looks like Wag the Dog. It's dangerous to presume that you know all the facts before you know all the facts. And to huff and puff while you're dealing with another nuclear power is a dangerous precedent. It's a mm -hmm. dangerous piece of behavior. And calming things down would be the right thing to do right, right. now. Well, you calm things down for us every Sunday, so I appreciate Thank you. It. All right. I appreciate Thanks, I'm God. grateful. Appreciate it. And that'll do it for this edition of Up Close. Tiempo with Joe Torres is coming up next. If you happen to have missed any of today's programs, no worries. I will post the segments from it as well as a podcast now we're putting out on my Facebook page. It's all going to happen tomorrow on Monday. We'll also put the podcast, podcast on our website. Thank you all for watching. I'm Bill Ritter, and for all of us here at Channel 7, enjoy the rest of your weekend.